turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. How do you measure success when it comes to impacting our local community, our own Judea, for Christ? Well, we'll spend some time talking about that today as we're joined by the lead pastor of City Light Bible Church of the South Bay, Pastor Chris G. And Pastor Chris, great to see you. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Craig. It's a pleasure to be on. This, of course, is a brand new church plant. Well, not necessarily brand new. You're about 18 months old. You were launched out of Hillside Church there in San Jose and our dear friend, uh, Pastor Keith Crosby, as a fresh church plant in an area that, quite frankly, is not necessarily welcoming to churches. And I say that in the sense that there's probably a feeling of over-secularization of the San Francisco Bay Area, and largely if we look at church attendance, I think we find that true. And particularly as we look at the South Bay, we're looking at individuals in the high-tech sector that are well-educated, lead very busy lives, may not necessarily have any affinity towards Christian faith or religious practice of any sort. And so some folks would look at that and say, wow, with so many challenges of doing a fresh church plant in the San Francisco Bay Area and in specifically in Silicon Valley. How difficult is that? And how do you go about measuring success, given the fact that so often in life, certainly in, in, in Western culture, we measure success based on numbers. How many widgets did we sell? How many tickets did we sell? How many people are showing up and putting their fannies in the seats? Yeah, absolutely. We want to buck that trend and not define success in the way the world does. We want to define success as a church the way God defines it. And in a word, it is faithfulness. First Corinthians 4, 1 to 2, uh, Paul says that he is a steward and he wants to faithfully steward the mysteries of God that have been entrusted to him. And so uh, we are God's people who have been entrusted with his word. And so we want to preach his word faithfully and clearly and often. We want to minister his word to uh, his people. We want to take his word and the truth of the gospel, the hope that's found in Jesus Christ, and uh, spread it to as many people as we possibly can. And uh, you're, you're definitely right that this is a tough area. Uh, many people would say that this is hard soil. Uh, any uh, Barna or Pew Research survey that you read about will tell you that the San Francisco Bay Area is by far the number one unchurched area in the nation. And uh, you're also right to say that really the, the true American idol in this area is comfort. Uh, people are well-educated, people are affluent, people have good jobs, and in a temporal sense, they they don't feel any need for Christ. But at the same time, after playing that game for a while of climbing the corporate ladder and of making technology their God and of 
growing their their houses and their bank accounts and their their number of cars uh we know that that they will eventually hit a wall and find that kind of lifestyle unfulfilling that they may put a band-aid on uh the hurts that they have and they may uh, seek to fill their eternal longing with temporal earthly things but ultimately we were created for eternity uh, we are eternal beings with eternity written on our hearts uh augustine said that our hearts are restless until they rest in god and so we want to be there for when people find their hearts restless we want to be there when they find that uh, they, they have accomplished all that they have at their tech company and are wanting more. And uh, we want to give them the God who, who fully and finally satisfies and uh, the God who offers hope through his son to secure uh, not just peace in this life, uh, but peace and comfort and eternal joy uh, forever in heaven. It's amazing how quickly we'll run out of sort of earthly solutions to our sense of restlessness or perhaps our, our sense of dissatisfaction in life. And so we often see people that are seeking material success, growing the bank, bigger bank account, buying the bigger house, driving the fancier car, things of this sort. And then they find out that as they go up each rung of the ladder, that sense of fulfillment and satisfaction continues to be fleeting, continues to escape them. They climb higher and higher and higher up the ladder, and yet it continues to elude them. And then an event comes along in life. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one. Maybe it's an unexpected financial disaster or perhaps notification from a doctor of a diagnosis of cancer. Some sort of life-altering event that causes us to stop and begin to ponder and to reevaluate where we stand. And I think that's that's even true for the church to a certain degree. We've seen this trend certainly in the Western world where we've, as I mentioned in my opening remarks, tended to focus on numerical success as the yardstick of how well we're doing instead of focusing on, instead of the quantity Rather, the quality, the kind of relationships that people are building with Christ, the sense of resilience that they have in their faith, that whatever life tosses at them, they're able to to gird up their loins and, and, and plow through and continue to, to seek God and to continue to, to stay in fellowship with him. And really, I think at the end of the day, that, that ought to be the goal of all of us when it comes to the matter of being disciples and making disciples, that if we focus on the, the spiritual quality of our life, the quantity in terms of the number of lives we're capable of impacting, how the church grows, I think will eventually take care of itself. Absolutely. Uh, Jesus said that he is the good shepherd, and the primary role of the shepherd is to feed the sheep. Uh, the sheep are hungry, the sheep are susceptible to malnourishment, and so they need the, the nourishing truth of, of God's word. And uh, pastors and leaders are called shepherds as well. We're, we're under shepherds. We are those who fall under the authority of the, the great shepherd and overseer of our souls. And so uh, we as pastors also take this responsibility seriously of feeding the sheep. John ten twenty seven says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And so what you're saying is exactly right. God's people eventually will want to hear the words of, of their Savior. 
uh, they will they will crave that. They will realize that if they, they go without God's word, if they go without a steady intake of the preaching of God's word, if they go without a steady intake of personal devotions in reading God's word, that there, there's a famine in their soul. And they're going to seek out the, the spiritual nourishment that they need. And uh, that's that's something that, that's really exciting to see in our church and in other churches as well, that people show up because they want to hear expository preaching. They want to hear the words that are sweeter than honey, as Psalm 119 says. And uh, that's where you do see some numerical growth as well, where people who have been out of the practice of church because of COVID or because of a bad experience at one point in their life with church, uh, they eventually will want to hear the shepherd's voice. And if churches will provide that for them, then God's people will naturally fall in line and and, fall, and, and follow the shepherd, come back into the fold, uh, because they find that as a, as a Christian, as a true Christian, that's exactly what their hearts desire. Our conversation today with Pastor Chris G., lead pastor of City Light Bible Church of Santa Clara, continues in just a moment. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. We're visiting today with Pastor Chris G., who, of course, is the lead pastor of City Light Bible Church of Santa Clara. Pastor Chris, let's pick up the conversation where we left off a moment ago. What you seem to be describing, Pastor G., is relational Christianity as opposed to another brand that I think many of us certainly, if not directly around the periphery, are familiar with, and that is more of a sense of cultural Christianity, meaning we go to church on Sundays because that's what we've always done. We go to church on Sundays because that's what our parents taught us. We feel it's the right thing to do. But when it comes to the Monday through Saturday experience, we kind of go about our daily lives. We don't give much thought to it. And and God is someone for whom we, we, we set aside an hour or two of our week. And uh, isn't he lucky that we're that generous with our time? And I think the difference between that sort of cultural approach to Christianity and relational approach to Christianity, where you're actually fully engaged, there is a living, growing, vibrant relationship. There's that sense of, of give and take, so to speak, in, in, in communication with the very creator of the universe. That is the difference between a sense of the satisfied spiritual walk and someone who is attempting to try to do the right thing, but in reality is more of a spectator as opposed to being fully participatory. Yes, the Bible definitely describes the Christian life as one lived in community. Uh, as much as we uh, might look up to that Lone Ranger Christian who just reads his Bible for three hours a day and goes into his closet and prays for five hours a day and doesn't need to depend on anyone else. That's definitely not sustainable and ultimately will will lead to, to spiritual ruin because God created us to be in community. There is so much about the church in the New Testament. There are at least 58 one another commands in the New Testament to love one another, to bear one another's burdens, to stir up one another toward love and good deeds. And so we very much are supposed to uh, be responsible for each other's spiritual life. We're supposed to be interconnected. Uh, we are to be a body, uh, as First Corinthians 12 says. Uh, I, I think you 
see even in young people today this real craving for in-depth face-to-face communication and really a demand for it uh, a lot of times when we think of the, the younger generation the college students and the 20-somethings uh, we, we think of them as always on their phones right we, we think of that stereotypical uh, group of, of young people eating out at a restaurant and instead of talking to each other they're all on their phones and uh, we, we, we think of them as doing texting and DMing and social media and spending all their time there. And, and it may be true that young people are on their phones quite a bit and more than, than us. But what I found is that a lot of times what they're doing with all that social media interaction and texting is that they're building bridges with people that they can then cross over into real in-person, face-to-face communication. Uh, they know that that the, the, the texting and social media, that, that's not ultimate, that that is a means to an end. And maybe because they're on their phones so much and because they, they've isolated themselves from the church and from other like-minded believers, they have this growing desire for for real communication for for real fellowship uh, in-depth relationship and uh, I, at least what I found with young people is that they just can't get enough of it uh, that they're fighting for it uh, at our church we have a young adults group we have a college group we have small groups we have people meeting up for for lunch one-on-one and people doing that uh you know little little dinners together here and there they're doing all kinds of activities and they just can't get enough so i think they see the the emptiness of uh, of isolation they see the limitations of phone mediated communication and as christians they see the the real value of being tightly knit into a church body. Uh, another stereotype we might think is that young people just want to hang out with young people and uh, they don't like old people and they're, they're weirded out by old people. Uh, but in fact, I think many of them see the, the bankrupt kind of spirituality of just hanging out with people their age. And so they do crave to, to be with young families and they do crave to be with older people and and they want to interact with with children and and youth as well uh, because that is how how God designed the church that that we are a spiritual family and uh that is that is really what Christianity is all about that is how God designed us to grow and to thrive and to find uh, ultimate joy in him uh that is by encouraging one another to to be uh, with him and sit under his truth and enjoy him together and I think that you're, the point that you're making, Pastor G, is critically important that, that everyone sort of capture the significance of that. Because there has been a sense, particularly with the so-called generation gap, right? Uh, that's the folks that grew up with the Internet versus those of us that had to learn the Internet. And there was a feeling as if, well, younger people today, they are hiding from relationships. They hide behind the Internet. They hide behind TikTok. They're constantly on the phone. It seems to be a substitute for real relationships. But as you're suggesting, Well, there might be even a temporary attraction to utilizing technology as a form of sort of substitutional for that that 
iron sharpening iron, one-on-one direct kind of communication that, that the baby boomers like myself are used to, that it cannot escape the way our creator has designed us to be in relationship at two levels. Most importantly, of course, on the vertical plane between ourselves and very God himself, and then also on the horizontal plane. And so even though we might change the way we communicate or even for a season um, isolate ourselves in some ways, that does not negate the fact that we're designed to be in that fellowship in both the horizontal and vertical plane. And I think sometimes people give up on young people assuming that, well, they're just not interested in relationships anymore. They want to hide behind their telephones when, in fact, that is not true. And and maybe we are even missing out on a ministry opportunity. You spoke about the desire of young people to hang out with older folks and the sense that so many perhaps have come from broken homes. They've, they've never seen what a, a whole family looks like. Perhaps they've never experienced what it is to be mentored or or even that, that concept of true discipleship of an older, more mature believer leading a younger believer into what it means to be a Christian and not only be a disciple, but be a maker of disciples. And so I, I think there's much hope in what you share. And maybe there's a wake-up call for older generations here to suggest that we we have looked at things kind of at the surface level and assume because you're hiding behind the cell phone at dinner that that's all that you want and you don't long. There is no, there is no God-shaped hole inside of your heart that seeks true fellowship with very God himself when that is not the case. Yes, I completely agree with that. Second uh, Timothy two two talks about uh, finding faithful men and entrusting what we've learned to them, uh, so that they may be able to teach others also. And so, it very much falls on the older generation to take everything that we've learned in the Bible, everything Christ has taught us, and to to pass that on to the next generation. And certainly there, there are challenges with the next generation. I, I think hiding behind their phones is a, a very real thing. I, I think that that's true, uh, that because of this heavy reliance on phones uh, in our culture, because of COVID, young people are less used to face-to-face interaction and they are less used to talking to people outside of their age range. But uh, once you you coax them out of that, uh, once you encourage them to to put down the phone, uh, once you show them what authentic Christianity is and how sweet fellowship in the church will be, uh, they will naturally put down the phone on their own, and uh, they will see what, what what is what is ultimate, and that is a vibrant relationship with God and uh, with with others who who follow Him. Uh, so, yeah, we definitely should not give up on, on the younger generation. I, I think uh, it, it's kind of this cyclical thing where always the older generation kind of has their complaints about the younger generations. You know, you, you as a boomer, you use the word telephone, and I caught that, you know. Uh, and, and you, you know, you guys have had things to say about my generation, you know, the millennial generation, and how we were lazy and entitled and whatever. And now we're looking down at the Gen Z and saying, well, they're uh, lazy and entitled and, uh, you know, only do social media and that kind of thing. And, and I think that's, that's the wrong attitude to have. Uh, we, we have been entrusted with the mysteries of God. We've been entrusted with the words of life. 
And so uh, we, we have to strive to do whatever we can to pass this on to the next generation so that they, too, will will have this attitude of passing it on to uh, to to Gen Alpha or whatever they're calling, you know, kids these days. And if we have this attitude of, well, there's no hope for the younger generation or, uh, you know, they, they, they are hopelessly lost in, in their phones or whatever, then, then, then they're going to pass that kind of attitude down to the generation after them. And so I think this is a great opportunity for us to uh, completely stem that tide and, and see the, the younger generation as this, this opportunity uh, to, to help them grow, to disciple them, to help them follow Jesus closely. And then we get to uh, see them use the advantages that they have as those who grew up with the Internet to, to use that for the glory of God and the furtherance of his kingdom. Uh, they are more connected than any other generation. And so what if you got a 24-year-old kid excited about evangelism? Uh, what if you, you got that kid to be like the woman at the well who just wanted to tell everyone what God had done in her life? I mean, that, that kid could reach a ton of people. And, and so we could see the spread of the gospel in a more widespread way than ever before if we will do the work of faithfully investing in the next generation. And it really, I think, demands then, Pastor G, a, a major shift in our thinking, in our mindset. Our conversation today with Pastor Chris G, lead pastor of City Light Bible Church of Santa Clara, continues in just a moment. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. We're visiting today with Pastor Chris G, who, of course, is the lead pastor of City Light Bible Church of Santa Clara. Pastor Chris, let's pick up the conversation where we left off a moment ago. The notion that as we began the conversation today, looking at the San Francisco Bay region, Silicon Valley, uh, highest unchurched rate of perhaps any major population center in the entire country. And people look at that and say, well, you know, it's just it's beyond the pale. This is just a task that's absolutely impossible, as opposed to looking at it and saying, what an enormous opportunity we have here, because that means that every time we open our front door and we step out into the business world, we get on the bar train, we go to work, we engage with somebody at the grocery store, wherever it might be, that virtually every person we come in contact with is someone that is in need of a savior. And we have an opportunity to to be a disciple and be makers of disciples. And so suddenly now it, it's not a matter of woe is me. This is an impossible task. But instead, it becomes look at a wonderful opportunity that God has set before us to really impact not only this region for Christ, but to look at the young people that a lot of us, quite frankly, of my generation have kind of written off and said, oh, that's kind of, you know, be, be beyond reachability to instead say, look at a, the chance that we have here if we just take advantage of it. Yeah, this opportunity that you're speaking of, this evangelistic opportunity, is very much the reason we planted this church. Uh, We went into this with the mindset that we wanted to reach the lost, uh, that we wanted to make disciples of people who 
otherwise would never hear about Christ or had rejected Christ uh, in their lives. And uh, we believe this is the very reason that Jesus has left us on this earth, why he doesn't just take us all home to heaven. Uh, We can sing better. We can fellowship better. We can worship better in heaven. But the one thing you can't do in heaven is evangelize. And so we want to take our, our great commission uh, that Jesus has given us seriously. And we, we chose uh, Santa Clara as uh, a city because we knew that there were many unchurched people there. Uh, looking at all the statistics, it seems that in that area, Sunnyvale, Santa Clara, Milpitas area, uh, that only about one in 20 people are a professing Christian. And so if you walk down the street uh, and you pass 20 people, 19 of them are are not on their way to heaven and they're on their way toward eternal condemnation. And that that's heartbreaking. And so uh, it, it's very much a great opportunity in the Bay area. And while the soil is hard, uh, that's why I do think that there are quite a few people who come uh, excited to, to plant seeds and, and to watch the Lord soften that soil so that gospel fruit can eventually bloom. Uh, evangelism is, is scary, and it's something that people are not necessarily inclined to do. Uh, praise God that some people do have the gift of evangelism, and it's something that uh, we've had to encourage people to do. Uh, we have, we've had people at our church say, oh, I'm, I'm never going to do that. You know, that's not for me. I'll give some money. I'll uh, be in a small group. I'll serve on a ministry team. Uh, but I don't think I'm going to share my faith with anyone. But uh, through the encouragement of others, through just a, a biblical understanding of evangelism, that we're all called to be fishers of men, that uh, to follow Christ is to be a fisher of men. It's not optional. We've seen a lot of people who have swore that they would never evangelize actually go out and invite their friends and co-workers to church and uh, even have the boldness to open up their, their mouths and, and talk about Christ. Uh, we have a, a, a young woman in our church who's a relatively young believer herself, and uh, she had a co-worker at Target who was a Muslim. And I think most of us would say, okay, he's a Muslim, you know, he, he, he's got his own thing going on, and uh, I don't want to touch that. But she invited him to church and to our Good Friday service. And it really got him thinking about his own faith. And at the time, he was experiencing just some emptiness in the Muslim faith, and it didn't have the answers he was looking for. And so he came up to me and said, hey, I'm I'm thinking about this Christianity thing, but I have some remaining questions about what faith is. Uh, He had some questions about the Trinity. And uh, I, I answered his questions as best I could. But frankly, I walked away from that conversation thinking, OK, he's a Muslim. You know, he, he's going to stay a Muslim. Uh, but that week, the Lord was really working on his heart and uh, he, he came to faith in Christ. And the next Sunday, he, he told me, hey, I, I thought about the things you said and the things that my my coworkers said. And um, I believe that this is true. And uh, I don't have all the answers to what the Trinity is, this three in one. And I said, well, neither do we, you know, it's a, it's a great mystery, uh, but it's something that, that we believe. And uh, yeah, he had a conversation that week with his mom and his dad, very tough conversations. Uh, essentially his father disowned him. And he knows that if he goes back to his home country, uh, he's subject to the death penalty. Uh, but he uh, counted the cost and he uh, uh, took up his cross, you know, being willing to die. And follow Jesus. And now he's plugged into church 
and he's growing. And it's just been such an amazing thing to see that that God is working in tangible ways. Uh, if we as his people will simply be faithful to to share the gospel, we will find that it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, as Romans one sixteen says. Yeah, we sometimes, I think, uh, are under the misconception that it's all on us. And we fail to recognize the job that the Holy Spirit pays in all of this. And if we just be faithful to live out our faith, um, to to be a light shining before men and to point the way, you know, one will plant the seed, the other will water, somebody else will come along and, and reap the harvest. Um, but at the end of the day, it really comes back full circle to that notion of being faithful. And I know sometimes people say, you know, oh, gee, I, I, this evangelism thing, as you mentioned, I, I, I it kind of scares me, intimidates me. We need to change our mindset there, that it's not something that we have to do as if it's some sort of a mountainous burden, but rather it's something we get to do. And as we are faithful, it doesn't mean that you're going to go up and down your block and knock on doors every day. But that does mean you run into a neighbor and find out that they've just lost a loved one and say, gee, you know, I'll be praying for you. Uh, Little ways in which we can be that small touch of Jesus Christ. Our conversation today with Pastor Chris G., lead pastor of City Light Bible Church of Santa Clara, continues in just a moment. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. We're visiting today with Pastor Chris G., who, of course, is the lead pastor of City Light Bible Church of Santa Clara. Pastor Chris, let's pick up the conversation where we left off a moment ago. You know, if we think about the own manner in which many of us came to the Lord, rarely is it one singular event, but rather the culmination of multiple touches in multiple ways as the hound of heaven is is beginning to reach out and to touch your heart. And God will put people in circumstances in our path that will eventually allow us to open our eyes and come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as we surrender to him and confess our sins. And so if we look at it not so much as an event, but rather a process, and then recognize that we might just be part of the broader process for an individual, whomever that might be, then suddenly it takes that sense of burden off of us. And now we move the mindset from I have to do it to rather I get to do it. Trust in the Lord then uh, along the way and watch and see what God happens and what God does and what happens. And I, and I think that's a big part. It sounds like of, of, of the approach of City Light Bible to just be there, be faithful, be available and respond when God calls. Yes. Uh, scripture is very clear when it describes what salvation is. Uh, it is uh, receiving a new heart, Ezekiel 36. And we can't do that. Uh, it is being born again, John 3. And we can't do that either. We can't make people born again spiritually. This is the work of the Holy Spirit, and we rely upon him. And uh, all we can do is be faithful to to give people the message uh, through which the Holy Spirit works to to save them. And yes, this very much is the heartbeat of our church. And this is uh, what we want to do and how, how you can define success, as you, you mentioned earlier. Uh, many people, uh, certainly uh, 
corporations and even some churches would not define success that way. They would not look at that one story of a faithful church member leading a Muslim to to salvation as a success story. Like that that's that's good. That's like a blip on the radar, but they, they want tell me tell me when you got a thousand people at your church, right? Uh, to tell me when you have mass revival, but that, that's simply not how scripture defines success and, and doesn't define what we are to be doing. What this this person did in our church in using the, the circle of people that she had, including her co-workers at Target, inviting one of them to church, trusting in God's power to save even someone of the Muslim faith, that is faithfulness. And that's what the Christian life is all about and and we're so thankful that she did that and we're so thankful that this has become the culture of our church and and you know for every one of these stories where someone came to faith i could probably tell you a hundred stories where someone did not come to faith where they rejected the gospel but at the same time these seeds were planted and as you mentioned this may be one step along the way to someone coming to christ and it's interesting to even just have some sanctified imagination and think about when we get to heaven and we see everyone there and we see this person and that person. We're like, okay, I, I expected them to be there. They're, they, I knew they were Christians. Then you see that one person over there and you're like, whoa, how did you get here? And you, you approach them and say, what, like, what happened? You know, when I shared the gospel with you, you hated that and you rejected what I said and we weren't even friends after that. Our relationship was completely messed up. And they might tell you a story of how you were one step along the way, how you just got them thinking, how the conversation that you had was still in their mind years after that there was a time where they just couldn't sleep once their head hit the pillow. And so they sought out other Christians in their lives or they sought out going to a church and those people faithfully evangelized and they became saved. And so heaven will only tell how God uses our evangelism. And uh, I think that should be an encouraging thought uh, that even if, we don't lead someone through all the steps of the Great Commission, that we, we don't see someone who's a non-disciple become a disciple, baptized and, and taught everything that, that Christ has taught us. Even if we don't see that, we might be a, a small part of that. And uh, that's that's a great way that God uses us and something that we can be excited about. And I think it takes the pressure off and it, it allows us to focus on the relational side of Christianity, both again on the vertical as well as the horizontal plane, and we begin to recognize that this this is not salvation by by works. That works, in fact, are a product of our faith. Again, back to my comment earlier that it's it's not that we have to do this; is that we get to do this. And I think with that mindset, if we focus on knowing God, loving God communicating with God, being in fellowship and communion with him and also with one another, that this process of outreach and evangelism and growth, it'll all take care of itself. And I think there's there's an enormous sense of relief that people should get from that, that they, you know, so often, whether it experiences in other churches or messages that they've taken from the secular world, that it's it's all performance-based. In reality, the real focus here is on the relational side of it, because the work was already done by him on the cross. And so the only thing left for us to do is then to surrender, to believe, 
and to be found faithful. And God will take care of the rest. For folks that are new to the San Francisco Bay Area, Pastor G, and and, and maybe they're looking for a a church home in the San Francisco Bay region, tell us a bit about uh, what all God is doing at City Light Bible Church. Yeah, it has been a great joy to serve at City Light Bible Church. Uh, We've been around for just about a year and a half, and God has done some amazing things. Uh, We started off with a really solid core team who loved the Lord and loved others. And uh, we, we've grown since then. God has added some very faithful Christians who have stepped in to lead small groups and lead ministry teams. And at the same time, he's brought some unchurched people who have never darkened the door of a church and are hearing about Christ for the first time. Uh, God has also brought some de-churched people who used to go to church but stopped for whatever reason and have now gotten back into the habit and are now once again sitting under the preaching of God's word and learning from him and growing in their faith. Um, As I mentioned, there's people who once were pretty apathetic in sharing their faith that are now excited to do that. There are people who were were starving for, for God's truth and now are reading the Bible on a consistent basis and beholding wondrous things from God's law and just finding great joy in that. And so it, it's been a real joy to be a part of this church and to see God work. Tell us a bit about services. I know that you guys are meeting down at Mission College. They're in the uh, hospitality building. Uh, give us a bit of a, a look into uh, when you get together and maybe extend an invitation to our listeners to uh, come and participate. It would be a joy. We would love to have you, no matter where you're at in your spiritual journey, whether you are a committed believer who who knows what you believe, you love the Lord, we'd love to have you and strengthen your faith equip you for the work of ministry, uh, help you grow, uh, put off sin in your life, Uh, or if you're just searching and uh, you don't know what you believe, but you have questions about Christianity, you have questions about religion in general, questions about eternity, heaven or hell, uh, that's exactly why we planted this church, to help people like you figure out where you believe, uh, what what you believe, to to help you stand on uh, the solid rock that is biblical truth. And so we'd love for you to come. Uh, We meet at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings in Santa Clara. We meet at Mission College in the hospitality management room. Uh, It has been a blessing to meet in that space, and uh, there we're going to worship the Lord. We make our services the, the same cry as the psalmist, not to us. Not to us, but to your name be the glory. And so we will uh, together pray to God. We will join our voices to sing to God. Uh, we will do expository preaching where you will not hear the, the preferences, opinions, or hobby horses of people like myself. Um, but you will hear the, the truth of God's word. Uh, we will seek to explain the Bible as clearly and as powerfully as possible to make it relevant to your life so that you can walk away with truth that uh, not only encourages you, not only comforts you, 
uh, not only gives you a bigger vision of who God is, but will be immediately applicable for Monday through Saturday. If you have um, perhaps poked around at, at churches before and and come to uh, draw the conclusion that not many are uh, teaching directly from the Word and, and rather tend to spend more time sharing stories and tickling the ears, uh, that will not at all be your experience at City Light Bible Church. So if you're looking for a fellowship that is Bible-believing, Bible teaching, you will certainly find a home. City Light Bible Church, again, they meet Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at Mission College in the hospitality room. And you can get more information available online by going to citylightbible.org. That's citylightbible.org. And you've got programs for for young people and singles and all across the entire uh, age spectrum. So as Pastor mentioned, whether you're new to the Bay Area, looking for a church home for you and your family. You're perhaps exploring the claims of Christ. You're not sure about this whole Christianity thing and you want to check it out and learn more. Well, you're certainly welcome again at City Light Bible Church. Details available on the web at citylightbible.org. That's citylightbible.org. Our thanks to lead pastor, Pastor Chris G for being with us today. Pastor G, thanks so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me, Craig. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.